Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to episode 31 of the Linkage Podcast by Episcopal Retirement Services. This episode is for the week of March 1st, 2021. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm Brian Reynolds, Vice President of Marketing for Episcopal Retirement Services. And I'm here with Kristen Davenport, Director of Communications for ERS and our executive producer. How are you, Kristen? I'm doing well, Brian. I'm loving this uh, sunshine we're getting this week, and uh, it's, it's been a really good one. Yeah, it's a great tease of spring after uh, a few brutal weeks of winter here that we had in uh, February. Yeah, absolutely. The Linkage Podcast is dedicated to educating our audiences about uh, issues regarding aging, informing people about the mission of ERS, and how that comes to life in our everyday interactions with our residents, clients, families, and staff members. So Kristen, you want to tell us a little bit about our uh, upcoming episode? Yeah, and we have a really good program today for listeners. Um, today, we're going to visit with uh, Betty Wiegand. Uh, Betty lives in Louisville, Kentucky at our Dudley Square Patio Homes uh, nearby to the Episcopal Church home. And uh, you got to visit with Betty and, and hear about what's uh, happening down there in Louisville. And then uh, we also have our president and CEO, Laura Lamb, who was your guest uh, this week, as she is uh, typically always there to give us an update on things happening all around uh, the ERS campuses. And then uh, you also had uh, our director of the Center for Memory Support and Inclusion, Shannon Braun. And Shannon has uh, been with ERS about a year and it was a, a, you know, a great conversation you guys also had about uh, folks that are living with dementia and trying to get through these uh, trying times. It just compounds everything. So I'm looking forward to that conversation as well. Yeah, I think we've got a great episode and uh, we had some great conversations. So with that, you want to introduce our first guest? Yeah, Brian, I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing uh, your conversation with Betty. Betty Wiegand lives in Louisville, Kentucky, and uh, here is Brian with Betty. So I'm here this week with uh, one of our residents from Episcopal Church Home uh, in Dudley Square, uh, Betty Wiegand. Hi, Betty. How are you? Well, I'm doing well today. The sun is shining, and that always makes me feel good. So, <laughs> yeah, it should be a good, should be a good day. Yeah, I think we're all starting to see the the weather turn a little bit, and and that's great. And I, I know it's we're almost a year now into when the first the you know the pandemic really started touching our lives here in the United States, and you know I I know I asked you how you were doing, but it, it, I guess it generally over the last year you know, how are you doing? How are you feeling? Oh, I've, I've been feeling great. It's, uh, you know, I think this is uh, being down here in, in uh, Kentucky. It's really a good place to be. I uh, think about <clears throat> my life up north and, and mm -hmm. uh, about the cold, cold winters. And I must say the winters here are not too bad. Right. So, <laughs> so you're 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 originally from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, correct? And you've been at that's, ECH about seven years. That's right. Uh huh. Yeah. So it's been nice. I came down here, of course, to be with my my family, and uh, that's worked out well. Except that the uh, 
the pandemic has not been too cooperative along those lines. <laughs> yeah, so that that's so, presented some challenges in terms of seeing family and friends and and um, oh, I, right, yeah. sure it's been difficult. But as you and I were talking a little earlier, you're you're feeling some some more sense of hope. That well, that's right. We have to be optimistic, and it seems like that we are beginning to see the end of this. The news is not so as bad as it once was, and we're getting some positive uh, feedback from what is happening. So I think everybody feels better about that. Yeah, yeah. And of and course, the, the, the residents got their vaccinations back in in January, so that I'm sure that was a good feeling as well. Oh. That has made it uh, so much, so much better. And I think how fortunate we were to be able to get our vaccines. When I uh, hear of people who are still struggling, they right. want to get this vaccine as everyone should, but uh, people are still struggling to get it. So I think we've been very, very fortunate to, uh, to have that sense of security. We still yeah. have to mask and, and right. take care, but... Uh, <laughs> It's, it's a better feeling. Yeah, yeah. Um, We've still got our social distancing and, and masking, you know, requirements in place so that we're looking out for everyone. But it, uh, yeah, I think you're right. I think so many people are, are feeling that optimism with as every day passes and more people get vaccinated. So that's great. So Bet Betty, what have you been doing over the past year to kind of stay active and engaged? Do you have any hobbies or or kind of rituals well, that you do? <laughs> um, well, you know, one thing that I've found is helpful and it takes takes up some of my time is I've always liked to garden and work with, with a little bit of dirt and, in my hands and all. Mm -hmm. And I found that if I can uh, bring in, well, I just have filled my home with lots of indoor plants. Yeah. And almost, almost too many probably, <laughs> but uh, I enjoy caring for those and you know it takes me some time to keep them trimmed back and to water them and maybe right. <clears throat> transplant them and so forth so mm -hmm. you know so I've been doing a lot of that kind of like an, another hobby yeah and um, so and I you know I also find that I'm spending a lot a lot of time on the telephone uh -huh. because I have been making lots of phone calls yeah. to uh, many old friends that I haven't been in touch with for years. Oh, and, wow. you know, I <laughs> think it's about time we get, get back in touch. And it, these have been just very fulfilling to be able to talk to old friends and yeah. find out that we remember the same things and, oh. um, you know, uh, brings back lots of good memories. And that's, um, that's wonderful. You're able to yeah. kind of reconnect during this time. But mm -hmm. I think that, you know, they enjoy it too. So I'm, you know, feel good about that. And also I get started trying to organize old pictures and mm -hmm. just organize things around the house. So I think that's a, maybe one of the positive things that comes from this isolation uh, sure. story <laughs> sure, sure. Uh, but um also, well, you know, it, of course there's 
Well, and with, with the warmer weather, are you able, you know, as it warms up, get out a little bit more? Do you, do you do gardening outside oh. and, and walk throughout the Dudley neighborhood as well? Oh, yeah. I was going to say that one of the wonderful things about being here at Dudley is the fact that they take such good care of the property, oh. the streets, the sidewalks, and, um, and it's possible almost well unless the weather is too bad but it's possible to get outside and and walk and in that way we can see friends and yeah. wave or sometimes stop and chat for just a little bit right but yeah. uh, it makes it makes you feel like you're not just all by yourself yeah and, I've, uh, I've heard residents love their chats across the driveway uh, in a socially yeah. <laughs> distanced way that's right well, that's right. We used to have fun at the uh, oh indoor uh, Wednesday night get-togethers, but now right. we can some, sometimes get together outside and, and yep. uh, self-distance. So that makes up for some of that. Right. And, uh, you know, there's, of course, there's always lots of reading to mm -hmm. do. Yeah. And, uh, uh, you know, I'm <laughs> trying to catch up on some uh, some of the reading that I've been putting off and uh, uh, also and of course working puzzles or mm -hmm. you know not 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 the uh, jigsaw puzzle I'm not that type but uh, <laughs> like the word puzzles the word puzzle yeah, yeah. <laughs> the crossword puzzles are fun so yeah you can you know find things to do yeah and uh, you have to find things to do. So. Yeah. yeah, well, it certainly sounds like you've been keeping keeping very busy. So are, are there any any past um, situations or any crisis, whether maybe personally or maybe more on a national level that have kind of helped you cope through this this current pandemic? Well, um you know, I'm not, I haven't had any real crisis in my, in my life experiences, but uh, mm -hmm. I know that uh, my husband's work uh, took us to many, many different parts of the uh, country. Mm -hmm. They moved from one state to the other, and, and right. each time we had to, had to move, yeah. so it was kind of like a crisis, because yeah. I had to pick up and, um, you know, start all over again. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and adapt. And that, what? And adapt. And, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. And so that was kind of a challenge. And and uh, and you find too that uh, you know it isn't all bad. That sometimes right. it's you know uh, you learn a little bit more and right. and uh, you know you also find out that nothing lasts forever. That yeah. things do change. Right. And. Uh, you have to accept that. So, you know, that has, uh, that's, <laughs> I guess I have, have learned that, uh, yes, you can do it. And, yeah. uh, and, uh, and so you can, if you just keep moving forward. Yeah. So, I think I, I try and share that lesson with my kids that not, nothing ever stays the same and yeah. we have to kind of learn to, <laughs> to adapt to life as it, brings its, right. its challenges and, and things like that. So that's... And yeah, for some reason, we don't have control over everything. <laughs> and we kind of like, 
like to think that we did, but we don't. So right. uh, <laughs> we do what we can. Yeah. So, so, so with, with but, that being said, you know, is there anything that you're really looking forward to once, once the pandemic, once COVID kind of starts fading into the background that, that you're really looking forward to? Oh, well, of course, the, the uh, getting together with the, you know, family again. Yeah. And I got grandchildren, yeah. great grandchildren who I really haven't seen because I want to protect them and they want sure. to protect me. Sure. So, um, you know, that I, I sure am looking forward to. And another thing is hoping to travel more. Yeah. And, uh, you know, to be able to, uh, I have family that I uh, want to down in uh, Arizona that mm-hmm. I want to get have come up here and yeah. it's just uh, not too good to fly yet. No, and uh, no. so I hope we'll get back to being, you know, able to do that. Yeah. Are and, there any um, particular places that you like to travel to? Is usually seeing friends and family or do you have any destinations that you like to? Visit? Oh, well, of course I, I have in the past, uh, every, I have property up on, uh, in a small community in Wisconsin, that's where I like to go in the summer, and mm-hmm. I haven't been able to do that, so right. I hope to get up there. Uh, but again, it's this past year, it just wasn't worth taking taking yeah. a chance yeah. to try and get there. Right. And uh, so I hope that you know I'll be able to get get back up there this year, right. and uh, uh, just. Don't I don't have to do anything there. I'll just sit back and relax. <laughs> yeah. Out of curiosity, oh. you, you said you were originally from Milwaukee. So is it, it were, is that probably up in the Milwaukee area or is that like out in the Wisconsin Dells area? I, I know oh, that's a beautiful well, part it, of the it's, country. Uh, yeah, it's uh, on the Mississippi River, uh, right, oh. right across from uh, Minnesota. Uh, uh, yeah, Minnesota. And uh-huh. uh so we're on the on the river, and uh, you know, quite quite a quite a bit of way up north. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's a beautiful area. I, I used to go up there yeah. as a kid with well, my mom is from Minnesota originally, and we'd travel in that area. Oh. All the oh, all the yeah. beautiful well, rivers and lakes and and yeah. forests. It it really is nice. So. Yeah. Do you know where Winona, Minnesota is? absolutely yeah absolutely yeah (laughs) right across the river well isn't that interesting yeah I (laughs) I have beautiful memories of going up there when I was a kid and my parents were both teachers and we would uh we would travel up all we'd go to Minneapolis but then we'd travel throughout the state and do some fishing and yeah it's just a gorgeous 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 area (laughs) well Well, the fish are still up up there waiting for you so you better yeah, get back that's right that's <laughs> right my that that was actually uh my wife and i's hobby we picked up this summer is fishing um so um we've really enjoyed getting out uh outdoors and and uh and, and learning more and more i know I, I did it as a kid but there was many years where i didn't do it and so we kind of enjoyed that yeah. during this period well and fishing is you can self-distance too so you're kind of out by your that's a wonderful hobby to have that's great yeah yeah (laughs) it's it's uh something she had never done before but we've really enjoyed doing it together so uh 
that's that's great we're looking forward to the warmer days and getting out again good okay and i hope you have lots of luck with your fishing thank you your wife will enjoy it as much as you do (laughs) thank you yeah she's talking about it now so we'll be out soon good i'm sure well, Betty, I want to thank you so much uh, for joining us on our podcast, and uh, we'll look forward to catching up uh, real soon. So thank you so much. Okay. Well, thank you for, for inviting me, and it was good to visit with you again today. Thank you. Well, Brian, it was just uh, wonderful to get to know Betty a little bit through your conversation. Uh, of course, uh I spent a lot of summers up north as well. It was great to hear about that and some of the other activities that Betty's got going on. Yeah, she she was delightful to, to speak with and she's just so positive and has stayed really busy and and just just knows how to adapt to life and what what you know challenges that can be thrown at you and and like you know, she does everything from gardening to reading books and uh, doing puzzles and and so she stays stays really busy so that, it was definitely fun to to get to know her absolutely well uh we're uh next up is our president and ceo laura lamb speaking of uh taking life as it comes and and getting through you know these times um laura has been leading us all through this and uh, i know we're all feeling that uh the spring and and the coming season of a lot of hope and a lot of change. And I think we're all hoping that uh, we're going to see some some new things coming down the road that'll give us a lot more ways to uh, be together without maybe so many of these uh, restrictions we've all been living under. Yeah, so we we definitely uh, hit on a lot of topics around, you know, obviously with the vaccinations uh, behind us and kind of waiting for our guidance to be updated. So here's my interview with Lara. So we're back again this week with President and CEO, Laura Lamb. Hi, Laura, how are you? I'm doing well, Brian, how about you? Doing good. Can you believe it is the first week of March? No, I'm in denial. (laughs) How about you? No, it, it seems like the first two months have gone by like no other. Usually it's feels like a slower time to me, I think because of winter, but it, it certainly went by very quickly. And uh, so anyway, uh, you, you know, we're almost a year since the pandem- pandemic really started uh, impacting our lives. And I wanted to kind of check in with you, you know, a lot's been happening over the last few months in terms of vaccinations and guidelines and and things like that. So I I guess I wanted to check in, uh, particularly we're seeing some news of states starting to eliminate mandates. And um, so where are we in the process of kind of opening up maybe more at the community uh, level and Well, you know, we have seen a lot of movement in that area, haven't we? And you and I've talked about, you know, just our frustration about, you know, okay, we've been vaccinated. Let's all just go back to the life that we we had last year. And we can't do that yet, Um, you know, um, for a number of practical reasons. Number one, 
being aging, aging services, you know, we are governed by, you know, the, the current governor's orders that are in place in our states, this, the CMS guidelines, and, you know, that takes some time. So mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of like anxiousness and some frustration mm -hmm. that maybe we should just unpack for a little bit because it, it's real. It's real. Right. And I, I feel it. I feel it. I, I look at my friends and my family that do, don't work in aging services or healthcare and think, well, that must be nice because we can't do that. <laughs> we can't do that yet. Right. So we, we are still in the vaccination phase and, and our communities, you know, the great number of our residents, um, actually close to 100% of the residents in our retirement communities have had access to it, but affordable living is was on a different schedule. So we mm -hmm. actually have a vaccination clinic today in Shawnee, um, which wow. we're so excited about. But um, until we get as a society, the herd immunity that, that we talk about, you know, we're still in this one foot in both worlds kind of thing. Right. And aging services, we, we need to be just from in the entire year, we learned this, that we need to be a little bit more careful than maybe some other industries and some other um, businesses. Right. But it's so, frustrating. <laughs> I yeah. can't say that enough. Yeah. And so for those that have been vaccinated, you know, I, I'm sure there's, there's some, some feeling of, okay, now I've got some protection. I mean, I think we all know it's not a hundred percent, but you know, that there, I guess there's still some some risk as they consider very the variants that are starting to to move throughout society, but then understanding the impact of maybe how it spreads, even if you are vaccinated, is still um, I guess part of the consideration. Yeah, it is. And and one interesting fact that our our, our listeners might be interested in is that. The, the effectiveness studies did not include all older adults. Mm. So, you know, that, that is a concern of people that serve older adults, you know? So uh, the bottom line is that we know a lot, but there's still things that we don't know. And the Center for Medicare and Medicaid, you know, they, they have a huge responsibility to make sure that they're following the evidence-based science, right? Right. And so that's what we're doing. We're following the science and, you know, Dr. Felci and, and leaders, when they talk about the general public, they say one thing, but when they are, when they drill down are talking about the frail, frail elders or people that live in congregate settings that are seniors, they have right. a different, um, a different guideline. The right. good news is that uh, we are a leading age member. We're very active in advocacy mm -hmm. with all of our groups. And, and personally, I can't, can't tell you what a huge amount of my time is spent looping in with leading age, writing letters, um, sharing the perspective that, um, you know, we can't go, we can't go from restrictions to nothing, but we need kind of incremental ability to open up um, safely right. based on science. And, and so the good news in my mind is that the states are working on this um, right, right as we speak, mm -hmm. as well as CMS. So I'm hopeful that when we're together this time 
in a few weeks um, that we'll have some positive things to share about what vaccinated people can do differently when they live in an aging, um, in a, you know, a senior living uh, community. Yeah. And, and even during this time, I think there's been some, some very positive movement um, that, that, you know, not that everything's opening up completely, but maybe you can talk more about, you know, what's going on with our visitation policies and how we've opened up a little bit more programming so that, you know, maybe we're not doing huge uh, gatherings, but there's, there's some level of an, more engagement than maybe there were there sure is. There sure ago. is. So, so we're able at two of our two of our three retirement communities to have indoor visits. Mm-hmm. The third one will be having indoor visits probably within the next week or so. Mm-hmm. You know, just as a reminder, that's dependent on two things. It's dependent upon the surrounding county, mm-hmm. uh, you know, positivity rate, which all of us have a part in that, right? Right. Um, and then the second is how many cases have we had? internally staff or residents in the last 14 days. So um, there's actually just one area of our, of one retirement community that we were not allowed to have visits for another few days. But those are wonderful because that means families can come into the building. They, they can, you know, you know, they're socially distanced, but you know, I don't care. I don't know about you, but if I can be within 10 feet of my mother-in-law, that feels really, really good. Yeah. Um, we are opening the dining rooms in our retirement communities have, now we have in dining room dining again. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's a challenge to work through the current guidelines, but our team is really tenacious and creative and they've figured out how to do that. Um, wellness has um, added more offerings, uh, more time mm-hmm. slots, more ability to maybe exercise with maybe your neighbor in the fitness zone, again, socially distancing, wearing masks. Right. So I, I just, I'm, I know I've said this a number of times on our podcast. I'm just so impressed with our team and their creativity and their mm-hmm. desire to enrich the lives of the residents they serve. So yeah, every day is another idea, another, hey, we can't do this, but let's do it this way. And it's kind of fun to be a part of that. Yeah. So I, I guess kind of in summary, things are are, are slowly opening in, in some ways, not fully, but I think you've always said it's not the closing that's always the, the challenge. It's kind of the opening up in a very thoughtful and, um, and to your point, following the science type of way. You know, Brian, I, I, I hate to be right about something, but that is <laughs> like, I don't know why that came to me that it, it's, this is more challenging, but yeah. it is, it is. Cause like within a, you know, we can shut down really quickly, but how do you open up safely to make sure that your, your decisions aren't negatively jeopardizing the health of, of those we serve? Right. Cause we don't want to go back to where we no. were, right? no. No, it's not pleasant. Nobody wants to go back there. Yeah. Well, and, and then to really to jump on kind of the innovation of the staff and the team and something that you were, you know, spearheading and, and really led the team on was our hug huts. And I, I, I wanted to mention to our audience and, and, and give you some, uh, some props was 
uh, we were recently featured on the Spectrum News Channel for their kind of a, 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 an hour-long program dedicated to um, a year in COVID. And I, I know we just got to watch that and it turned out so well, Laura. Oh, thank you, Brian. I really appreciate it. They, I was so impressed with the, um, the, the program, all of it, and, and um, just so pleased that our crazy Hug Hut idea could be broadcasted to, to hopefully inspire people to say, let's, you know, what can we do? We just have to focus on the yes and. Let's figure out what we can do. Yeah, well, for people, for our listeners, if they want to go to spectrumnews1.com, that's the number one, uh, you can check out that that story. And it's actually, I think, the second part. They they break it up into three videos, and it's the second video uh, where that segment airs. So, mm-hmm. Well, uh, Laura, thank you uh, for joining us this week. And uh, to your point, hopefully in a few more weeks, we'll have some more news to share with everyone. I would love that. Thank you, Brian. Well, Kristen, it's always so good to get the updates from Laura. She uh, she has that eye on the entire organization and has really the pulse of what's going on, uh, not just throughout all our communities, but across the nation and, uh, you know, getting those updates um you know, kind of understand where we stand. We, you know, as you mentioned before the segment, people are anxious to kind of get back to life, but we still have a little bit of, a little bit to go through and, and, and kind of get that guidance from uh, not only our, our national leaders, but our state leaders as well. That's, that's for sure, Brian, you know, as, as somebody that's not only a staff person that's looking to Laura for that leadership and that guidance, you know, I'm also a family member of an older adult and uh, I'm always eager to hear, you know, what Laura thinks about, you know, how things are going and, and are, are we opening up at the right pace and, and is everybody still going to be safe, even, you know, now that we're all vaccinated or many of us are vaccinated. So it's always good to hear from Laura. She's, she's always advocating for for our residents for our families for our staff members and uh, it's good to have her leadership definitely so with that being said you want to introduce our final segment of the uh, uh, so that's uh this is a a real pleasure to introduce to our podcast listeners shannon braun shannon is the director of the ers center for memory support and inclusion and Brian and Shannon got together this week to talk about uh, what it's like to live through a pandemic um, if you're supporting someone as a care partner. So here's Brian and Shannon. So I'm here with uh, our director of the Center for Memory Support and Inclusion, Shannon Braun. How are you, Shannon? I'm good, Brian. How are you? Good. Thanks so much for joining us uh, on our podcast. And I, I think I wanted to start um, just by introducing you've you've been with us about a year. I think you started right before the pandemic. Yes, uh, I did. I began. Did. And I, so I, I was wondering if you could kind of describe your role as the director of of the center and uh, and how you support our residents and those out in the broader community. 
Sure. So I think initially the idea behind the position was to offer education and support um, for those affected by dementia and their families and, and care partners, both um, within the ERS communities and within the broader community. So um, with the pandemic, we got derailed a little bit uh, being able to really expand in the broader community, but um, really have found the importance of being a source of education for staff and for families and residents that um, are not only right now impacted by the pandemic, but are also impacted by dementia. So um, now that things are starting to clear up a little bit, starting to open up, um, jumping back into educating the community and um, supporting people um, all over that are going through the dementia journey. Right. I think you had a recent presentation with residents out in the Anderson area uh, this yes. week. Yes, we um, presented to the Anderson Township Senior Center, and there were also people there from uh, Mount Washington Presbyterian Church, mm -hmm. and they're very energized about um, helping their constituents that have dementia um, feel more included and um engaged in their programming. So it was really kind of inspiring even connecting with them and remembering, oh yeah, there this is a need out here and really glad to partner with them and excited to move forward. Right. Now we've we've worked together for some time. I know it, so just a, a little bit of background for our listeners. Um, you know, ERS has has um, uh, really increased its support of people living with dementia and those with uh, and their care partners, um, some through our Dementia Inclusive Cincinnati Partnership, and you were um, in charge of the early stage program at the, at the Alzheimer's Association of Greater Cincinnati. And, um, and we've added a number of um, apartments in our uh, assisted living uh, memory support area uh, through that. And so, uh, you know, through that partnership, I knew you were helping develop a lot of the programming with Dementia Inclusive Cincinnati mm -hmm. um, starting back, you know, two, three years ago um, and partnering with some libraries in the, the area. Yes. So I initially met Laura Lamb and Megan Bradford when I was at the Alzheimer's Association. And my job there was the early stage program coordinator. So, um, you know, in the early stages of dementia, we really promote um, brain health. So in addition to healthy diet and exercise, mm -hmm. um, really prioritizing socialization. So there were so many opportunities to, um, you know, partner with local community resources to offer engagement opportunities. And one was through partnering with the library system mm -hmm. and offering memory cafes there. So that's how I really got involved with Dementia Inclusive Cincinnati. And um, it was such a hit. There were so many libraries that wanted our training. Mm -hmm. They kind of had their own internal waiting list for um, you know, having us come and educate the staff and have them start some similar programming that Megan and I quickly realized that um, there was more of an interest in the community than we even realized. So, you know, we started educating churches and really taking it um, more broadly. 
and um, it's been had some really great results so far. So excited to continue that work. Yeah. So, and as you were talking earlier, you know, having joined right before the pandemic and kind of having to take a step back because we couldn't really go out into the community to do training over the past year. But I, I, I do think, um, and I understand that there's been a lot of challenges for those, again, living with dementia and their caregivers through the pandemic. Uh, and, and I'm sure there's even people at that early stage that are maybe trying to figure out if, if there's something um, that, that they need to help their loved ones. And I, so I, I guess with that being said, with the caregivers spending more time with the loved ones, how can, how can that caregiver or that partner really help, you know, in a dementia screening process? What are, what are the warning signs that they might want to look for uh, to get help? That's a good question. I think that, um, you know, the the fact that this pandemic has happened and has created a lot more isolation mm -hmm. with people, um, the warning signs might be more present than they have been before, because a lot of times we can kind of hide behind routine and um, routine really helps people in the early stages of dementia. Um, you don't have to initiate many different uh, variations of things. You just kind of continue on. So with a break in the routine, I would imagine that a lot of people are starting to see things a little bit differently. So certainly some of the warning signs to look for naturally would be a change in memory, um, mostly that short-term memory, um, mm -hmm. you know, not remembering what you ate for breakfast that morning and, um, not remembering people's names, things like that. Also, sometimes a change in mood, um, which again can be complicated right now because I think a lot of people's moods have changed, you know, yeah. a little more depression with the isolation, but certainly a mood change, any language changes, word finding issues become um, prevalent. And, you know, maybe you can't remember the name of the specific bird that you want to refer to, but you just remember the word bird, or you reference the rain as water outside. So just, um, you can piece things together with context clues, but you really kind of know that there's a language deficit going on. So that, that would be another warning sign to look for too. Right. And so I can imagine once somebody has been diagnosed or if they've been previously diagnosed, you know, there were a number of resources, particularly those in the community, greater community that were available that they probably haven't had access to. So, uh, you know, there's a real need to pivot in how we support those living with dementia and Alzheimer's. Do you have any kind of tips for, for, People, I, I know you've, there's still some programming virtually with some of the libraries, but do you have any other tips or, or, or resources that, that might be helpful? Yeah, I think that you know the virtual piece has been an interesting one. I think it's been more challenging for people with dementia to really embrace the virtual nature of how we communicate right now. Mm -hmm. um, but it still can happen. And I think the the unique thing about Zoom and about other virtual platforms is that we all kind of learn together. I don't think, I mean, I had never really heard much about Zoom before this. So yeah. we're all starting from the same plane. And that maybe is comforting to people with dementia to jump on board, or even just older adults in general that maybe shied away from technology in the past. Mm -hmm. um, 
So I do think that people are giving virtual things a try. Yeah. Um, virtual support groups are much different than in-person support groups, but as with other things this past year, we are surprising ourselves with what we can grow accustomed to and, and how we can still stay connected with other people. So I think the key for care partners or, or people that are living with loved ones that have dementia is to just stay connected and to reach out to family and friends. And, um, you know, if, if you used to grab lunch with your girlfriends, uh, you know, once a week, and now you can't really make sure that you set time aside to um, connect over the phone or over the computer um, and seek support individually, um, because it is so important to stay connected and, and not um, really turn in and, and isolate just because of um, the lack of ability to go out and about. Yeah, I know you weren't a part of this effort, but um, we recently had a marketing event that uh, had Robert Evans, who works, does some horticultural therapy, yes. and we had some residents with dementia and their care partners doing that together. So finding some of those opportunities can really be a nice way of engaging as well. Absolutely, absolutely. So I know, you know, one of the, the, the things in your purview and, and you work with the community is on training. And, and I have I, I had a recent conversation with somebody, you know, that that was new to, um, you know, being around somebody that's living um, uh, with dementia and Alzheimer's. And I, I heard in their conversation, them kind of trying to correct um, the other person in terms of their orientation of where they were, yeah. the time, and <laughs> yeah. and I know one of the the trainings that that uh, that that we've developed and you've been a part of is the yes and training. And I mm -hmm. wondered if you could kind of talk about the that this w kind of way of improving and building on their story so that we're not correcting people, but kind of kind of disarming or keeping them, you know, um, calm, but but as a way of really building on to where they're at in the current sure. moment. Sure. So I think ultimately it's, it's the challenge I think is to really understand at the beginning that when you have someone with dementia, we're ultimately living in, in separate realities. And because our reality is really just our perception of, of the truth. So, um, it's only a one-way street. I think people that have cognitive loss in their brain, they lose the ability to kind of see things from different perspectives. If I have a, a brain that is able to do that, then I know that I have to join their reality. They can't join mine. Right. So using improv is really a tool to help us do that. When And the tenet of, of improv is yes and. So yes means that I'm agreeing with the scenario that you've created and and means I'm joining it. Mm -hmm. So I think really the, the key to that tool is that a successful um, engagement with someone with dementia is just staying engaged, just being able to communicate. It's so natural for us to want to correct something that we know to be untrue. That is the most natural thing. So it does take some training of your own mind to develop that kind of skill to be able to say yes and and join someone else's reality. Um, but ultimately, what you're doing is recognizing that the 
feelings between the two people matter more than the facts do, and that a successful encounter is really true engagement, and you can keep that going longer if you're able to say, yes, and, uh, you know, we did this the other day, or, or whatever the scenario is that, that the person with dementia has, has defined. Right. Well, that, that sounds very wise. And, and you know, to your point, it, it, it just kind of keeps things more calm and settled in the long run. So, so one, I wanted to, before we go, I wanted to, to ask you more of a, a, a personal question. And, and you've been doing this for a while and, and working with uh, the community and, and care partners and those living with dementia. Why is it um, so rewarding for you to, to, to do the work that you're doing? Good question. I, I think that um, it didn't take me long when I started doing work with people with dementia and their care partners um, to really feel connected to them. Um, it's a cause that's near and dear uh, to my heart. Um, my grandmother had dementia and lived with our family when I was in high school. And I think, you know, looking back, I was 17 and, you know, probably not as helpful to my mom as I could have been. So I think knowing that and realizing that um, I do have a soft spot for people with dementia and anyone who's a caregiver, because I just think it's the most challenging thing um, mm -hmm. that I, I've learned and especially relearned during the pandemic that there's such a need and um, that I really enjoy the connection that it's challenging, but once you once you get there, and if you're able to kind of stay on your toes a little bit and um, have Plan B, C, and D in your back pocket at all times, that um, I've really enjoyed being able to engage with people with dementia. I think we're all learning a little bit more about isolation than we ever cared to. And um, it's just all the more rewarding to help people that maybe are already feeling isolated within their own minds. Um, so I've really been able to appreciate that aspect of it too. Yeah, well, like you said, it is so challenging. And I know there's so many people that are very grateful for the support you've offered, whether it be throughout the city of Cincinnati or within our communities. Um, Shannon, thank you so much for joining us uh, this week, and we'll look forward to having you back here soon um, to kind Great. of pick your brain for some more, more ideas. Absolutely, and Brian. Yes. <laughs> Happy to do it. Well, Brian, for our listeners who might be in this position of being a care partner, I'm sure they enjoyed uh, meeting Shannon through our podcast and hearing some some great ways that they can um, maybe enhance their relationship with their with their loved one. Yeah, she is certainly a great resource of information um, for our community, uh, for our retirement communities, and we're just so lucky to have her. And she's so passionate about this, and uh, so I hope our listeners really enjoyed hearing from her. We'll definitely have her back on in the near future as well to share. Know more of that great information that 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 she really has, and uh, and the experience that she has. Well, that's it for this uh, recent episode of uh, the Linkage Podcast by Episcopal Retirement Services. For more information about us, you can visit our website at episcopalretirement.com. We've lots of great content, including including our Linkage online blog, 
resources to learn more about aging and the services we offer, and much, much more. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and YouTube to see what's going on within ERS and our communities. If you have any questions or feedback for us, please email us at info at erslife.org. We love hearing from our listeners and love getting questions. The Linkage Podcast is produced by Kristen Davenport and Brian Reynolds. Fiasha Davis is our associate producer. And our technical director is Michelle Hain. I'd like to thank our guests today, including Betty Wiegand and Shannon Braun. And of course, a special thank you to our president and CEO, Laura Lamb, for always being available to give uh, an update on what's going on within uh, ERS. On behalf of myself, Brian Reynolds, and Kristen Davenport, thank you so much for joining us. We look forward to joining our podcast in the next few weeks. Thanks, Kristen. Thank you, Brian. Looking forward to our next conversation.